0: Good morning, church. It's good to be here with you. You know, there are all sorts of occasions in which we find ourselves praying. There are all sorts of situations in which uh, we will pray. There are all sorts of circumstances in which we will bow our heads, bend our knees, let let our knees hit the floor, and we will raise our voices to the heavens. All sorts of things. We may have a superfan who is watching television one day. And it's a big game for their team. And they will begin to pray, Dear God, please, help Blair Walsh hit this one. We need this one, God. We don't know victory without it. You may have the student who has worked tirelessly to try and know the material, to, to do an extremely good job. They have stayed up late. They have made note cards. Uh, they, have, uh, they have gone through extreme notes day after day, week after week. Uh, they go into that ACT test, that SAT test. Dear God, please, I need you. Uh, let, let what is in my head come out of my hands in an appropriate way so that I can get into a good college, please. Please, Lord, I need a good grade. There might be the parent whose child is going on a date for the first time. Their prayer might sound something like this Oh, Lord Jesus, come quickly. I'm praying that ahead of time for my daughter. <laughs> there are all sorts of occasions, all sorts of situations, all sorts of sorts of circumstances in which we might find ourselves in prayer. Uh, this morning, I wonder uh, what it is about prayer that prepares us for God's mission. I wonder what it is about prayer that focuses our attention on what it is that God has in store for us. And so I just simply want to ask the question, uh, what are the situations that we should pray in? Uh, What are the situations that we should pray in uh, that best prepare us for what God has in store for us? Uh, What are the circumstances in which we should find ourselves praying that would focus and direct our attention to where God is guiding our life? What occasions, what occasions should we find ourselves bowing our head and bending our knee that would have us preparing ourselves for God's mission and His work in us? This morning there are... A, A couple of unique situations, unique circumstances, unique occasions in Luke's gospel in which Luke records Jesus praying. And we're going to come to these unique situations, these unique circumstances, and what we're going to find is where in the world we should be praying in order to prepare ourselves for what God has in store. This morning, I'm going to give you two circumstances in which Jesus prays, in which we should be praying so that we can prepare for what God has. I'm going to give you two occasions in which Jesus prays in a unique way, uh, and and the circumstances surrounding His prayer show us just exactly uh, when we should be praying and how we can prepare uh, for the guidance of the Lord, so that we can focus in on what God has in store for us. In the first situation of prayer, we find that, that Jesus is enjoying some, some wonderful piece of ministry. His ministry has just begun, and there is tremendous accomplishment, there's tremendous success. Jesus is preaching, and He's teaching, and He's healing, and everything seems to be going really, really well. Uh, there's flocks of people coming to Jesus, and in this moment, uh, we find uh, that Jesus, uh, with success on one side, uh, finds opposition on the other. We find Jesus in a circumstance of His own uh, praying, uh, where He is enjoying a, uh, uh, an entire gathering of His ministry accomplishment, and, and on the other, a uh, great irritability of opposition. Join me in Luke chapter 5. Join me in Luke chapter 5, verse 12. If you're reading with me in your Pew Bible, it's page 719. 719. Luke chapter 5, we're going to pick the story up in verse 12. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along covered with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. Now, this is incredible, Jesus touching this man. Uh, You understand, hopefully, that leprosy in in the ancient world was a death sentence. This man is covered in leprosy. Uh, If Jesus were to touch him, he would be unclean. It would mean uh, that that he would be dirty. It would mean that no one would follow him. It would mean that he wouldn't be able to go to the temple. Uh, It would mean the end of Jesus if he gets sick. Jesus reached out his hand and he touches the man and he says, I'm willing, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him. He ordered him. Now, don't tell anyone, but go. Show yourself to the priest, offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. Jesus is in a circumstance, he's in a situation where he's enjoying great success. He's doing all sorts of miracles. He has just touched a leprous man. And instead of Jesus becoming unclean, He has made the man clean Himself. And he has even said now, uh, go follow the rules that Moses has established for you so that you can go and you can join the rest of your people for the rest of your days. This man without Jesus has a death sentence on his life. And Jesus uh, says kind of weirdly, hey, don't tell anybody, okay? Don't tell anybody. And we get a sense, maybe from the rest of the text, that Jesus is is trying not to derail his mission. And the text tells us that no matter how much Jesus says, don't tell, don't tell, don't tell, it doesn't matter. All the more people come and flock to Jesus. I want to be healed. I want to know what's this going on. And it's in the midst of all of this, notice in verse 16 that Jesus prays. Verse 16, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and he prayed. Luke's the one that records this. Here's the question Why does Jesus pray here? It doesn't exactly tell us what he prayed about, although I think the context gives us clues. What in the world is Jesus thinking? Why in the world, right here in the midst of his his ministry success, does he stop and does he pray? Let your eyes drift with me to verse 17. I think there we get the answer. One day... As he was teaching. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem were sitting there. Now, uh, perhaps you need to know the Pharisees were the villains of the Gospels, okay? Anywhere you see Pharisees and teachers show up, usually it's a bad thing. Uh, they, I, I kind of always have pictured them kind of with the sneer on their face, with their arms crossed, looking at Jesus, waiting for Him to do something. You see, His success has brought about a number of people, and there is the Pharisees and the teachers uh, wanting to know kind of what's going on. They're here to check Jesus out. Jesus is about to face some opposition time and again throughout the Gospels. This happens to be the first time that the Pharisees really come encounter with Jesus. Look down at verse 21. Jesus is doing some extraordinary things. And it says the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves... Now, Jesus must have some uh, great insight here. He must have passed this on because they were thinking this to themselves. Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? You remember, uh, he has had another man come to him, and instead of healing him right away, he says, hey, your sins are forgiven. But so that you might know that the Son of Man has power to forgive sins, I'm going to say, get up and walk. Jesus prays in the middle of his great success so that he's prepared for opposition. Some of you are in the middle of tremendous ministry success. You're doing wonderful things for Jesus. You have gathered for yourself, maybe even a following of people. There's tremendous accomplishments. Maybe maybe you are a a boomer. Maybe you're a a generation born 1946 roughly to, to 1965. And at this period in your life, you are experiencing more financial security than you have experienced at any other point in your entire life. And that blessing has not been lost on you. You have not squandered it. You have, in fact, used it as a blessing uh, for God and His kingdom. Uh, You you look at things like what we saw this morning and you think, "I, I can give to that. I can send another kid to camp. I can send another kid to C.I.Y. Um, We need need missionaries. One of our missionaries needs a a special operation. I can write a check for that. And you have made it your mission to love God and to love others. Uh, And you have chosen to do that in many ways by being generous. And you have given uh, over abundantly because You have not lost that God has given you this blessing and you're going to be a blessing to others. And you're experiencing uh, this wonderful sense of ministry success. And for those of you who may find yourself in that boat, Jesus says, stop and pray. Pray. Because right now, maybe there's people who look up to you that want to follow you, that are not questioning you. But perhaps tomorrow, perhaps the day after that, there will be opposition that comes. And you will have to answer, will I stay on this same mission? Or will I crumble under the weight of ridicule? Will I continue to point my generosity in the same direction if people decide that they think I'm not giving for the right reasons? If I begin to to face opposition where people challenge my character and say uh, that I'm giving only so that I might control something, will I give in the same way? Jesus prays here in the middle of His greatest successes so that He might prepare Himself for opposition that comes so that He can prepare Himself to stay on His mission. Your mission and mine is easy. Jesus said it a number of times throughout the Gospels. It's recorded, love God and love others. How are you going to stay on your mission? Jesus says Pray in the midst of your success that if things were radically different, you would not change. Now, maybe, maybe you're not of the boomer generation. Or maybe you weren't born for between 1946 and 1965. But maybe God has blessed you. Maybe He has given you something uh, that nobody else seems to have. Uh, you all probably, if I were to sit in a room with you and we were begin to have a conversation, uh, we could probably I could probably ask you a series of questions and and I could say hey what what was it in your life growing up right now? What is it that that you find easy that other people don't find easy?" I mean, there are some of you that are right, like ridiculous writers, and, and ridiculous is a good thing these days, by the way, okay. I mean ridiculous in a good sense, not not a bad sense. Okay, work with me. Some of you can write, and it's not hard for you, and and I'm thinking, oh I wish I had that. As some of you some of you have like this mechanical mind, right? I mean you just you you see something differently uh you're like that character on the lego movie like you know you're like a lego master guy and everything just starts to come together for you and you go oh well i could take this piece over here and put it over there okay if you were on a if you were on a video you would be tinkerbell right you would just see pieces and it all would come together and i think how how do you do that? Some of you, some of you are just organizational in your, in your ability, right? Like you just see organization. Like you love lists, right? Everything has its place. And, and the rest of us are sitting there going, how, how is it that you do that? I mean, if I tried to do that, I'd be more lost than I am now, you have these abilities, you have these blessings that God has given you, and, and you have said to God, "All of these things that come easy to me, I am going to give to you I'm going to give them over to you, whatever it is that I find easy i'm going I have been blessed to be a blessing, and I am going to do it, and you have helped your preachers. thank you by the way. you have helped your neighbors, you have helped uh, other christians, you have You have helped your friends and your colleagues. You've helped people along the road. You have helped so many people. And this is a ministry. You have said, my mission is to love God and to love people. And I'm going to go full bore into that with whatever God has given me. And God has shown you wonderful accomplishment. But if tomorrow... If tomorrow it were suddenly different. If tomorrow you you didn't get the pat on the back that you got today for doing what it was that God has gifted you and blessed you to be able to do, would you continue to do it? In fact, not only if, if God were to, to remove from you the pat on the back, but if you were to begin uh, to, to face opposition because of the things that you're doing in your ministry now, with the things that God has blessed you to be able to do, would you continue? Jesus stops and he prays because he's preparing to stay on mission in the midst of opposition. And I just wonder, I wonder if Jesus' prayer and our prayer might be able to sound something like this. God, I'm in awe of how magnificent and powerful you are. You you have allowed your mighty hand to work through me, and I give you thanks for your goodness. I bow this morning in gratitude for what you have brought about in my life for the sake of your church and your kingdom. Now, God, prepare me for whatever may come. If it be more blessings like the ones I've received from you, help me not to become prideful and arrogant. If it be hostility, give me the strength, give me the power, give me the insight and the ability to respond well. Lord, whatever You might will for my life, help me live out the mission You have in store for me. Help me to love God and love others, whether that be in the glows of success or the throes of hostility. Thank You, God, for Your goodness to me. Amen. Jesus prays that He might prepare Himself for what is about to come in the middle of Your success, In the middle of your accomplishment, stop and pray. This is a situation. This is a circumstance. This is an occasion in which you should say, I'm going to pray for whatever might come next, that I might stay on mission. But this isn't the only situation that Luke gives us. In fact, Luke gives us another situation in which Jesus is going to reveal Himself to His disciples. And He's going to tether two things together. He's going to tether His identity and His mission. Just as our identity and our mission go together, uh, Jesus is going to pray uh, to prepare Himself and to prepare His disciples to hear who He is and what He's come to do. Look with me in Luke chapter 9. Look with me in Luke chapter 9. Another of these unique occasions that Luke records of Jesus praying. Luke chapter 9, if you're following along in the Pew Bibles, it's page 723. Luke 9:18. once when jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him he asked them who do the crowds say i am and they replied some say john the baptist others elisha uh, elijah excuse me and still others that the Uh, That one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. Uh, But what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter answers, the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And He said, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, teachers of the law. And He must be killed and on the third day be raised To life, Jesus was tethering together his identity and his mission. And he prays. He prays that his identity and his mission will be received by the disciples. You see, Jesus knew he understood. They're probably going to get that Jesus is the Christ. They've been with him. They've seen him do miraculous things. Who do people say I am? Uh, Peter, uh, wonderful, answers the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the Savior. You're the one who is supposed to come. That's all wrapped up in this term of Christ. You're the one. You're the deliverer. You're the redeemer. Yeah. Everybody's celebrating about that. But Jesus knows something the disciples do not. That his identity and his mission are tied together, and his identity is not tied, or his his identity is tied to his mission, which is I have to go and suffer and die. And this is nothing that the disciples were expecting. The disciples weren't expecting Messiah to go and suffer and die. This was, this was not supposed to be how it would happen. I mean, the disciples were supposed to be able to gather around Jesus as his cabinet and his new administration. They were supposed to have power and riches. And they were supposed to have might. That's why they continued with him. And Jesus says, now that you understand my identity, I want you to know my mission. And he prays in the midst of that that they will receive his identity and his mission. Many of you are Christians, and you have an identity, and you have a mission. Your identity is not of your professional vocation, your identity is not your family structure. You're not identified any longer primarily by the fact that you're a husband or that you're a bride or or that you are a worker or an employee or a mechanic or, uh, you know, name it. I mean, we could go through all of the professional vocations in this room. When you become a Christian, you are in Christ. Your identity is in Him and He is in you. And so your identity is primarily that of Christ. And your mission, your mission is still love God and love others. But will you find yourselves, when you find yourselves in situations, where it is necessary that you reveal who you are and what your mission is to others, will you have prayed that they will receive you? Maybe, maybe you have a profession that means that you are going to encounter people at their greatest moment of crisis. Let's say there's a policeman. Let's say there's a fireman. Let's say there's a doctor or a nurse. Let's say a counselor. You're going to meet people every day, maybe in the worst situations. Maybe you're going to see the the worst society has to offer. Maybe you're going to see people in the most chaos their life has ever been in, ever. Ever. And you have an opportunity every time you wake up, every time you go to work, to have prayed. Lord, I have no idea what I'm going to encounter today. I don't know what kind of crisis I'm going to encounter with somebody else's life. But Lord, will, will you prepare whoever it is I'm going to encounter to know who I am And what I stand for. And so the policeman who goes into the jails, who sees the worst of mankind every day, he's praying, Lord, will you prepare the hearts of other inmates? Will you prepare the hearts of other officers to hear who I am and what I'm about? Uh, maybe maybe it, it's not even on the professional level. Uh, maybe it begins at home. Maybe it's a mom who says, you know, I, I'm, gonna, I'm going to take my kids out for a movie. I'm going to treat them. And you're going to get a bunch of moms together and you're all going to go out to a movie and it's going to be a grand time. There's going to be all sorts of kids there. And yet you know as a mom that there's several other moms And although it's it's primarily uh, prominently posted at the movie theater, you know, no food and snacks. You're gonna bring. You're gonna have friends that are gonna bring large purses, and they're gonna stuff candy, they're gonna stuff snacks inside their purse to give to their kids. And this is an identity crisis because you recognize something about who you are and what your mission is, you say, I'm going to love God and I'm going to love people. And you have already prayed, Lord, prepare these other moms, prepare my kids, prepare these other kids that when I stand and I say, I'm not going to do it, And I'm not sure you should either, that they will hear me. That who I am for you comes shining through. Maybe you're a student. Students, it's funny, sometimes students will cheat. Are you aware of this? And sometimes students talk to other students about the fact that other people might cheat. And so, a Christian student, knowing that this is all going on, it's their moment to pray. Lord, prepare me for what I have to do, that others will receive. Who I am and what I have to do. It's an identity crisis. And they have to come and collide with God's mission for them. And say, Lord, prepare me for what comes next. That they will receive who I am and what I have to do. Sometimes employees will call in sick when they're not sick. Did you know that? Sometimes it's like, oh, you know, I'm tired. I had a long weekend. I'd really rather be fishing because it's a nice day outside. I could go hunting right now. I could go watch a movie. I could spend time with my kids. I mean, there's probably a million even good reasons where we could pick up the phone and lie to our boss and end up somewhere else. But our identity is in Christ. And Christ is is in us. And so we pray, Lord, prepare others to receive me My identity and my mission, when I will stand above the fray of things that are readily acceptable, may they receive who I am and what I'm about. There are situations that all of us can pray, there are occasions in which all of us should be praying. There are circumstances that all of us should allow ourselves to, our knees to hit the floor our heads to bow our voices to be raised. When you have tremendous success you should pray. Pray that if things were any different you would stay on mission. Pray that when your identity and your mission collides with the rest of your life that others will be prepared to hear you pray pray in the situations where life meets your world life happens around you in your world pray Because it prepares you, it prepares you to live with God's mission. Let's pray together. Gracious God, I thank you for your goodness. Father, I pray that you are adding conviction to the lives of people in this room. That we will not come to your word and recognize places where your son is praying and not leave different. And I pray, Father, that we are going to be about prayer, that we will find ourselves bowing and kneeling and praying. Lord, I pray that our identity and our mission, that our success, we would all hand it to you. And you'd be preparing us and preparing others that we would stay on mission. Love you, Lord. Thanks for your goodness to us. In Jesus' name.